once again, thank you all for uh, asking me to come and speak, give me the opportunity to come and talk with you. I recognized Bill right off hand from the uh, visit from the mission trip a couple years ago. Uh, is there anyone else here besides Bill that was at Bland with them? Okay. You guys will be happy to know we have a dollar store across the street now. Uh, that, that's been a real big hit in Bland. All the mission teams, though, they really don't like it because the kids, the youth that comes with them, they're given allowance when they leave home. And by Sunday afternoon, that's gone because they go over and they get all the practical jokes, the whoopee cushions, the pepper gum. They clean out the dollar store by Sunday afternoon. So I'm going to warn you, if you guys come back to Bland, be prepared for extra spending money. And I really can't blame it all on the youth because the adults seem to enjoy the pepper gum just as much as everybody else. Um, I will admit to you that when Kathy, uh, the church secretary, called me for my sermon title and my scripture, I panicked just a bit. Uh, the only sermon titles I, I know are, is your room clean and have you brushed your teeth yet? <laughs> I, I've, I've never really thought about what I do as preaching a sermon, but, but that's kind of the way my situation at Bland has been all along. I've never really thought about what I was doing till I was right in the middle of doing it, uh, not exactly looking at the big picture. Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with the Ministry Center, it was formed back in 1980. Uh, the East River Baptist Association purchased a little plot of land there in, in Bland. And um, as my story or my sermon, I'm going <laughs> evolves, you'll see how everything that God touches is for a reason. Uh, I began working at the ministry center in June of 1993. Uh, when I was offered the job at the ministry center, I was employed part-time at Withwell Community College in their financial aid office. And what I had planned on doing was after I worked there a while, I was going to enroll in classes and I was going to earn my uh, associate in nursing. And then I was going to go work at one of the local hospitals and I was going to make lots of money. That's, that's what I had planned. I, that, that was my goal. And I hope you all pay attention to where I used I and my and all, all of that. That was what I had planned, and that's what my life was going to do. Uh, I briefly met the director of the ministry center, Joe McAfee, uh, when I was working at a doctor's office. He came in to see the doctor, and, and we met briefly. I was the receptionist and, and registered him, and, and that was it. Never thought anything more about Joe uh, until one day in May of 93, the phone rang at the college, and I answered the phone, and it was, it was Joe McAfee, and he offered me the job as a part-time secretary at the ministry center uh, for less money, no benefits, and absolutely no chance of making lots of money. I, I thanked him very politely, and I told him, no, thank you, that, that I had set my plans and my goals, and, and this was what I was going to do. Over the next two weeks, Joe called me at home. He called me at work. And he talked to my father-in-law, who uh, was a very good Baptist deacon, Laurel Fork Baptist Church, and told him he was trying to get me, his Methodist daughter-in-law, to come to work for the Baptist, which really enthused him and got him on the bandwagon. So one evening, I came home from work, and I was in the back of the house changing clothes, and the telephone rang. And for some reason, I just, Danny was home, and uh, I said, if that is Joe McAfee, tell him I am not home. So, ladies, I want to see how many of you shake your heads when I say this. He did exactly what most of your husbands do. Hey, telephone, it's Joe McAfee. <laughs> see, I, I knew it. it. It's not just you. I apologize. 
So I went down the hall, and I was telling him how much I loved him all the way down the hall. Um, I picked up the phone, and Joe McAfee very calmly said, What do I have to do to convince you that this is your job? I sat down at the dining room table, and I said, Well, nothing, I guess. When do I start work? And then he said, Well, you know you have to come in for a job interview. I thought, you know, what, what, what is this? You know, you've been bothering me for two weeks, and now you're going to make me come on an interview. So I went in, and I went through the job interview, and he says, well, let's do a typing test. And I was really starting to get a bit irritated because, I mean, he had been for two weeks calling me nonstop. And now not only did I have to do an interview, but I was going to have to do a typing test. And the choir can tell you how my skirt's shaking back here. I don't do well being put on the spot or on tests. But my typing test was my letter of resignation to Withful Community College. And I've been there, I've been there ever since. I started out working three days a week, and my job at the center has progressed into one of the most rewarding and fulfilling opportunities to serve Christ than I ever could have imagined. Um, I have lived in Bland County all my life. And to be honest, before I became affiliated with the center, I had a, a poor opinion of the center. I was very proud, and in, in my weak opinion, the ministry center was not welcome in, in my neighborhood, in my hometown, because I felt that the center portrayed Bland Countyans in a negative light, that we were portrayed across the state of Virginia as poor, toothless individuals who needed food and shoes and clothes. And, and I personally had never been without shoes unless I chose to. I had all my teeth. We always, I mean, I had two older sisters. I had plenty of clothes. Uh, I had all the hand-me-downs I could, could, could use, but at that time I didn't know they were hand-me-downs. To me, they were, when I, by the time I got them, even though they were a little faded, they were as beautiful to me as when I used to sneak them out of their closets after they had gone on ahead of me. I mean, they, I did not know they were hand-me-downs. We always had food. Um, I did not particularly like brown beans and cornbread once a week, but, I mean, we always had plenty of food. So I, I did not have a very good opinion of the ministry center, but God called me there, and, and I gave in and went. My first experience at the ministry center, we have a dental clinic. And um, the first dentist I worked with was Dr. Fred Caffey from Martinsville, Virginia. I was very skeptical. I wanted to watch and see how things were handled. Because I know if any of you have ever experienced a toothache, if someone is going to relieve that pain and suffering, you're going to buy whatever it is they're selling. You know, no matter what it is, if you have to make a profession of faith, if it's going to take care of that toothache, you're going to do it, especially if it's free. So the first weekend that Dr. Caffey worked, I, I drifted back and forth from the house to the, to the dental clinic watching and paying attention to what was going on. Nothing was out of the way. They didn't get anybody in the back room and hit them over half the Bible. They didn't, didn't hold them in the parking lot. Everything went normal, went smoothly, just like a regular dental clinic. The last two patients of the day on Saturday was a man and his wife. They were from the Buchanan County area. And um, the man asked Dr. Caffey why he did what he was doing. Why are you up here? Why are you not charging me? You know, what, what's your deal? And uh, Dr. Caffey explained to him that God had given him the ability and the talent to go to medical school, go to dental school, become a dentist, support his family, make a good living for his family. And now he felt it was his duty to return the favor 
to, to go to different clinics. He even, did, he even does some foreign mission work and, and take care of people's pain and so, suffering and give them the opportunity to know about Jesus Christ. He numbed the guy up and went next door to his wife, and she had heard Dr. Kathy talking to her husband, and she asked him to tell his story again to her, and he relayed the same thing to her. He led the last two people of the two-day dental clinic to Christ. And he and I were talking after the clinic, and he says, you know, he says, I took care of a lot of people's physical needs. He says, but as far as I'm concerned, my time here was to wait on the last two patients of the day. That's why I'm here, to share what God has done for us and what what done for me and what he can do for them. God has a way of putting you in places that you don't particularly like. Like I mentioned, I I didn't like the ministry center. It was not a welcome addition to my neighborhood. But to find my way, God put me there in a, in a place that I didn't want to be, and he has filled a void that I didn't know was there in my walk with God. And, and if we'll just be still and let him, it, it will happen. The ministry center serves, it strives to meet the physical voids in people's lives, but I would like to think that by them watching and listening that it also will fill a spiritual void in their life as well. Last year alone, the closed closet served 1,524 families. And I don't know if you all have participated in the Sunday Undie program that the WMU sponsored a couple of years ago or last year. But what that involved was churches all over the state of Virginia. It was a, a WMU-sponsored program. They collected children's underwear. And somehow along the way it got the name of Sunday Undies, and it's, it's kind of stuck. The UPS man really doesn't like us because they sent all these huge boxes filled with children's underwear. And those little packs don't weigh much, but when you start putting them in big boxes, they weigh a lot. And, and we, that program is ongoing, and it provides new underwear for children across the state. And there's probably enough. We have enough now to uh, give every child in Bland County and Tazewell and surrounding areas a new pack of underwear. But that, that is a small, a small ministry that has turned into a big opportunity for a lot of people. The dental clinic that I just previously mentioned last year provided, I'm going to look at my notes, $115,000 worth of free dental care to 394 patients. And that's not just to Bland County people. About 5% of the clients that we serve are Bland County residents. The rest are from Southwest Virginia and Southern West Virginia. So I've already learned a little bit of something that, you know, the ministry center was not portraying Bland County people in a negative way. It was, it was my mindset. I was portraying Bland. I immediately thought they were aiming it at me and me personally. And, I mean, I think that's the way we all get a little bit self-centered, thinking everything good that happens and everything bad that happens somehow is pointed towards us. And that's, that's not the way at all. The food pantry at the clinic, at the mission, is probably the busiest at the center. Last year, we distributed food to 2,894 families. It's open every Tuesday from 10 to 1.30, and we can have as few as 10 families come through that door. And our all-time high was back in October. We had 102 families that came through the door for a food box. And, of course, the construction ministry, you, you people are familiar with that. We had uh, 23 mission teams last year that, that came and worked in the surrounding communities, working on the homes for elderly and low-income individuals. Some could afford materials, some could not afford materials. 
events take place at the center that leave no doubt in anyone's mind of God's existence and his power over us. This past Christmas, we, we have a Christmas project where we distribute Christmas boxes, food boxes, to needy families, and it also we also provide toys. This year, we distributed 625 boxes. Um, we had, uh, I had a lady come in, and she uh, got her food box and toys for her children. And I passed her in the yard of the ministry center and stopped to talk with her a bit because there had been a mix-up in the toys. She had six children, and um, there was a mix-up. Her 14-year-old daughter received toys that would be appropriate for a 2-year-old. There's a big difference there. So she came back, and, and we, we fixed the mix-up, and she was really not happy. I could, I could tell she was very upset, so I stopped to talk with her and see if I could smooth over and, and make better what had happened. We got to talking, and I asked her if there was anything else I could do for her. And that's one thing I've learned in the 14 years. Never ask that question unless you're prepared to do it. Never, never ask, you know, is there anything else you need, because they will tell you. And the lady was already irritated because we had messed up the toys. And so she looked at me, and she kind of smart said, well, yeah, you can. I need a stove. My six children and I have been living in a trailer for six months without an electric stove. I've been using a microwave and a hot plate. And she said, I've also been sleeping on the floor for six months because I wanted my kids to have the beds. So if you can come up with a stove and and an air mattress for me to sleep on, I'll be set. So I told her that, you know, very politely, I said, no, ma'am, I'm sorry right now. We don't have a stove but or an air mattress, but I'll keep you in mind, and, and if we get one, I'll call you. And it was kind of like the checks in the mail thing. You know, she said, yeah, okay, sure, thank you. you know, God bless you, too. So the next day, uh, I'm currently the only employee at the ministry center. The director resigned in September of 05, so we're looking for another director again. <laughs> and... Um, So since I'm there by myself, the volunteers are really good about coming in and checking on me. Where the ministry center is located right off the interstate, we get a lot of stranded motorists. We get a lot of Appalachian trail hikers that when they go to the local uh, gas stations and stores, they're asked, you know, is there anywhere I can go to get something to eat or get some money? They always send them to us. So the guys at the ministry center have been real good about coming in and checking on me to make sure I'm not entertaining five or six trail hikers or a stranded motorist I can't get rid of. Uh, one gentleman, Mr. Gail Case, came in the office and stuck his head in my door, and he says, uh, do you need anything today? And I said, no, I'm good. And as, as he was going out the door, he stopped, and he turned around. He says, do you know anybody that needs a cook stove? And I looked at him. I said, why? And he says, well, our son is buying my wife one for Christmas. He said, she doesn't need it. The one we have is perfectly fine. The only thing that's wrong with it is there's a few scratches on the front of the door where she's scrubbed it with a Brillo pad cleaning it. But he said, it's fine. I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I know somebody that needs one. He says, fine, you can have it in about a week. When Christmas rolls around, uh, when they bring her stove up, we'll bring you the old one. I said, okay, that's, that's great. About two hours later... One of the other volunteers, Mr. Jim Habina, came in, and, and Jim, is, Jim is a character. He's originally from Fredericksburg, and he comes in about two or three days a week, and he just has a really unique sense of humor. He looks like Festus. Does anybody remember Gunsmoke? Okay, good. He looks like Festus. He, he really does, and he talks about like Festus. He came in my office, and he says, Well, do you need anything out of me today, boss lady? And I looked at him. I said, Well, yeah, I need an air mattress, Jim. And he got the funniest look on his face. He said, well, I've got one in my outbuilding at home. He says, it's still in the box. I bought it on sale at Walmart about three years ago. I've never used it. 
So I told him, I said, well, yeah, I, I, I need that. So he went home, got it, and brought it back. And um, that night I called the lady that I had talked to previously and told her that I had a stove on the way and that I would bring her air mattress to her that night. And uh, she looked at she said, how did you do this? She said, how, how did this happen? She says, you know, the only reason I came to your place be, was because you all were providing the only Christmas my children were going to have. She said, I had not asked for help. I had slept on this floor for six months. I had cooked in the microwave and on the hot plate for six months because I did not want to let church people know that I needed it because she says, I didn't want the visits. You know, she says, the visits and the prayers are nice. She says, but I needed stuff for my children. And she says, I've learned in the past that there's always strings attached with you people. So I told her, you know, I said, well, you know, God can turn a problem. You had a problem with your toys. God can turn a problem into a solution. You know, we, we don't do anything. God does it. We're his instruments that he uses. And, and I told her, I said, God can take a problem and turn it into a solution. And she had had a very hard life. But because somebody showed her a little bit of kindness, it, it, it made all the difference. There's one story that I, I had promised, and I told my husband coming down here, I said, you're probably going to hear a lot of things. You're probably going to hear a repeat on a lot of things. But there's one story that, that sums up how God works through us all, no matter where we're at. This happened about two years ago. Um, it was bitter cold like it has been in, in Bland the last little bit. And it was 10 minutes till 3, and the phone rang at the ministry center, and I was sitting in the office with two of the volunteers, and it was a, a second-grade school teacher from uh, Bland Elementary, and she had a second-grader who was at school that morning with no coat on. He had no coat. And she asked him where his coat was, and he said, Well, Mama had to give it to my little brother this morning because he's only in kindergarten, and he needed it more than I did. And so she called me. She says, can you run up there and see what you got? She says, I don't care what it is, just so, some, just so I can send this little boy out of here with something on his arms. So it was, I remember it was 10 minutes till 3 because I know that, knew that only gave me a little window to get up the steps in the clothes closet and back up to the elementary school before the buses ran. So I went up the back steps of the clothes closet, and I, was, I thought I was talking to myself the whole way, but... I was really talking to God because I didn't know anything about the clothes closet. I didn't know where, how they had it organized, where they had things put. And as I was going up the back steps, I thought, I don't know how in the world I'm going to find a coat in, in five minutes and get it up out of that little boy. So I went in the back door, went across the back end of the clothes closet, and the coats are hung just like in a department store, one behind the other. And as I go across the back... And, and I promise you this is how it happened. If, I, if it hadn't happened to me, I would shake my head myself and say it wasn't true. There was a little red jacket that was hanging flat against the coats. Perfect. It, it was quilted. It had a hood. It was the size that the teacher told me she thought the little boy needed because she didn't want to call attention to him, bringing him up in front of the class and checking his shirt to see what size he wore. She told me about what size he was and what she thought he would need. There was that jacket hanging, looking at me like waving. Here I am. Come and get me. So I grabbed it and took it up, took it, got in my car, went up the road to the school. And when I went to the second grade classroom, 
she brought the little boy up, and it, it, the story couldn't be more perfect. He was he was a little red-haired, freckle-faced boy. His hair was as red as fire, and and he he was as chunky as, as he could be. But all he had on that day was a blue camouflage T-shirt. They were real popular at one time, and you'd get them in Walmart. That's all the child had on that day, and that's all he came to school in, and that's all he was going to wear home. But we, but God provided that jacket. God hung that jacket in that closet just, just as sure as I'm standing here talking to you all today. And I guess what touched me so about this is, is that's the same age my little boy was at the time, my son Jacob. And he reminded me a whole lot of Jacob. And I thought, you know, I made sure Jacob had a coat this morning. And it touched me that there were kids in Bland County that came to school that morning without a coat because their little brother in kindergarten needed it worse than they did. Working at the center has gone from a job to being a part of my life, a welcome part part of my life. You don't have to work at a ministry center to be considered a missionary or to be considered mission-minded. If you have made a profession of faith, you're already a missionary, no matter where you're at. You know, a smile to a stranger, holding the door open for somebody, letting them in front of you at a red light. I have been to Valley View, and I know letting me in at a red light would be really nice if you want to do. <laughs> that place can be a nightmare. But, th- but that may be all it takes to help somebody that day and to, to show them that, that there's another way out there other than gloom and doom. They may have enough food and clothes, but they may just be in need of a smile or a kind word. They, they need to know that everyone is welcome in God's neighborhood.